This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh, host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. Today I'm talking to Usa. When Usa was a baby, he was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. His parents were told he would only live until his late teens or early 20s. Utha is now 24 years old. Utha describes living life in the knowledge that he won't grow old. Utha, can you explain simply what cystic fibrosis is and what are the symptoms? Yeah, absolutely. So in yeah, very basic terms, uh, cystic fibrosis is a genetic condition. Um, in my case, my genetic strain is Delta F508, which is one of the more severe strains. Um, but cystic fibrosis is affects um, the it's, a, it's an enzyme that allows fluid to pass between cell walls, and what that means is that people who suffer from cystic fibrosis have serious issues with their uh, respiratory, pancreatic, digestive, um, occasionally lymph node systems, um, and that results in. Uh, very poor digestive and uh, digestive systems, and uh, very bad ability to take up nutrients in the pancreas and, and digestive system. Um, and it means that you are very susceptible to uh, infection and various um, specific illnesses to do with your respiratory system. Um, there, yeah, you have a, a lot of thick, sticky mucus in your lungs, which can result in um, infection. That can result in damage, scar tissue, abscesses, so on and so forth. Um, and that results in a significant shortening of life and deter- deterioration in quality of life for those who suffer CF. Do you recall a time when you became aware, oh yeah, I'm not going to grow old? Um, n- not specifically. There, there is... There was never a conversation in my household. There was never a, a revelation. Nothing was ever hidden from me. Um, so as far back as I can remember, I have always been in the know. I've known that I was going to, to die, at, but the focus was always on how can we, um, both you know, myself, my health team, and my family, how can we increase the the possible duration of my life and the quality of my life. So I've always been perfectly aware of it. Um, I actually, I spoke to my sister about this the other day and there was a time apparently when, this is before I can possibly remember when I was two, three, maybe four, I'm not certain, um, where it was not spoken about to me. Um, But as much of that was about protecting me from the the questioning or judgment of others and the questioning or judgment of my family rather than preventing me from having knowledge of my own mortality. Um, So I've grown up my entire life from my earliest memories being aware of my condition and being aware of its 
of its eventual outcome. Now you told me that one of the difficulties you've had growing up is that the estimation of your life expectancy has changed. So what's it been like having to make decisions when the goalposts keep shifting? Yeah, um, in, in short, very difficult, very complicated. So the, the goalposts have shifted for, for various reasons. Um, uh, a great deal of it is to do with the, the quality of care and research um, and development of treatment and um, medication and things over the years. So back in the 1960s, you know, many years before I was born, um, the average life expectancy with, uh, for someone with cystic fibrosis was less than a year. Um, when I was born in 1995, um, the, the average was, you know, early, early 20s, um, if you were, if you were healthy. Um, and as I've grown up, so someone born today with the treatments and medication that's available today, you would be expected to live into your 50s, maybe at the shorter end of what we would consider the average life expectancy. Um, so that's that's one reason the, the goalposts have shifted for me. The other is it's very dependent on the individual's um, personal health. So when I was very young, my health was very excellent. I had very astute, caring, and dedicated parents. Um, and as I grew older, I became more independent. Mistakes were made, and um, you know, I had some a run of bad luck in terms of infections, and so my health deteriorated quite significantly um, around the age of twelve. So, while the predictions during my early childhood was that I would live to the maximum of the average. Um, as I as I grew up, that those goalposts shifted in terms of my personal health as well as the, the overall health system improving and increasing the life expectancy of someone with CF. The, the outcome of that really is that I, as I grew up, made decisions about both my everyday life and my long-term abilities, goals and aspirations that I then had to adjust every time I got new information about my life expectancy. So when I was year 12 or 13 and got very sick, the possibility that I would live beyond, you know, my late teens or early 20s was seriously called into question. So that brought about an, an anxiety, not about dying. I've, yeah, I, I have no particular issue with that. I came to terms with it at a very young age, but about what to do with the time afforded to me, how best to approach both my care and um, my everyday life and whether I needed to adjust my my goals and my wants to be very short-term and try and fulfill those very quickly and easily and not ever worry about the long-term or try and live with a normal person's goals and try and fit in and you know, just participate in as many things as I could, and if I if I wasn't able to achieve those long-term goals, accept it. So, and then, as I've got older and older, I'm now 24, um, and my health is about average, I am now having to consider that my, the goals that I 
set for myself at a young age because of the the position I was in. They don't necessarily apply to where I'm at now in my life, and so I'm constantly having to reevaluate what it is that I want and what is realistic about you know that I can achieve while I while I still have good enough health and not only what can I achieve in while I'm still alive but what can I achieve that will be fulfilling and is actually within my within my means and yeah that that's a constantly evolving internal discussion so what about things like career choices and whether you should study or not study yeah so that's that's one of the things that was um, quite drastically impacted because um, I I went to university as most people do out of high school I got decent grades Um, I was at that time doing quite well and it was my health and therefore was trying to follow the the path of you know the normal education and and career that most people would have Um, but as time passed I realised that that was no longer an appropriate goal for me and I actually decided that that, um, university education and the career I had intended to to pursue didn't suit me any longer and so I needed to make goals about my career that were far closer to home in terms of um, smaller, more achievable and more satisfying um, everyday life. So I chose to do a trades course and become a mechanic because I like working with my hands, I like working on cars and the the rewards that I got from that um, in the short term were far more significant than I felt that I could achieve with by going to university and having career goals that were far more long term. Now many people your age would be starting to think about finding a partner and buying a house and having kids. <laughs> Do you have those aspirations? Um, I've I've never had aspirations of having a family. Um, I would find it hard to know whether that's uh, down to my personality and my you know innate um, expectations, or whether those are things that have been curated and influenced by my health and by my mortality Um, but I've definitely always had the goals of wanting to have as close to a normal um, sort of career and partner and long term relationship as as possible but it definitely makes things far more complicated because I'm aware that every while we all go into, into things like relationships with the the intention of it being long term or you know lifelong, we don't. Most people don't have to consider that if it if it's if it doesn't go well, this is our one and only shot. And for me, there the, yes, there is an awareness that if I if I enter into a relationship, if I say until death do us part, I mean it one hundred percent because the the time frame is drastically reduced. But also perhaps you mightn't want to pursue a relationship that you didn't think would be particularly meaningful by way of just experimenting or having a good time because your time is so limited. 
yes, I, uh, it has changed. But w- once again, that's one of those things that it's it's hard to know whether that's my personality. Like, so I'm someone who is, is very dedicated to long-term relationships. I'm not interested in, in short-term things. But once again, that's hard to know if it's influenced more by more my mortality and my um, disinterest in, um, you know, uh, ungratifying things or whether it's just who I am as a person. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. But yes, it does definitely influence the decisions I make that the the things I'm looking for are always those very meaningful, very large, very significant relationships because if I, yeah, I don't have the luxury of time to, to figure that out when I'm later. I, if I want those things, I need to pursue them now. Do you find support in mixing with other people who also have cystic fibrosis? Um, to a very limited degree, I've I've only ever had personal relationships with three other individuals with cystic fibrosis. Um, that's due to the fact that while now in the modern era of of social media, we have the ability to communicate with each other very well. Um, previous to that, especially when I was young, the uh, we we aren't allowed to associate with one another due to um, cross contamination and. Um, issues like that, very similar to the way um, you know people with who are severely immunocompromised with with cancer or things like that can't uh, be around one another or, or socialise too much. Um, so we are, we were when I was young prevented from communicating. Um, and yes, while now it's available, uh, I'm not someone who took it up a lot. I've had yeah three acquaintances all who had cystic fibrosis, only one of whom is still with us. Uh, the other two both both passed away at, at 20 or under. Um, but the the relationship I do have with the, the one other individual with CF that I know has been a great source of comfort and solace and education, and it, it is very valuable, as limited as my experience with it is. Now, you mentioned that you're a mechanic. It seems a bit strange that you would choose an occupation where you'd work in cold and fumy and dusty workshops and environments like that when you've mentioned that you've got difficulties with your respiratory system. So why why is that? Um, yes, it, it does sound rather counterintuitive, and I've both been questioned and wondered myself whether it is in some ways self-sabotaging. Or, or at least um, a little bit reckless, with, with a, you know, with, with that, with a bit of self disregard. But what it comes down to is that the goals that I set for myself were very physical and attainable ones uh, in terms of you know the things I needed from my life and being a mechanic and um, you know being able to build things and see the the product of my of my work with my own two hands is very, very important to me. Um, and therefore, doing what I love and being in the environment that I enjoy being in has always trumped the um, the negative health outcomes for me because growing up knowing that you're, you've got a time limit, knowing that your, um, your life is compromised as it is, 
there's a certain amount of you that says uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I make this decision. It's it's um, you know compromising to my well-being because I, if not this, something else. You know, if I put myself in a situation that's unhealthy for me in my work, that's that's not wise. But I'm enjoying being there, and if I if I don't do that, I might try my absolute hardest to prevent myself being in in dangerous or, or um, you know risky environments. And I will I can still get sick. I can still get an infection that no one ever expected, and it can it could still kill me in a matter of you know weeks or even days so it seems the, the the logic for me is that I'm not going to prevent myself doing something that I enjoy um, on the off chance that that will um, protect me given that sooner or later something negative is going to happen anyway Now you mentioned infections Yes. What are the other things that are the ultimate causes of people with cystic fibrosis dying? Um, so it, it, that's quite varied. Um, so generally, infection is what starts the process. So as throughout the life of someone with cystic fibrosis, um, they will get infections over and over again, Those whether they are the same one that is more and more severe or they will get multiple infections um, that will cause um, deterioration to their their lungs. They will get, you know, abscesses, they'll get scar tissue, fibrosis in their lungs. And so frequently, um, eventually there will just be too many or an infection so severe that um, it compromises the lungs entirely and the respiratory system will shut down and they will pass away. Um, otherwise, there can be infections that affect other areas of the body. Um, those who have um, strains with severe pancreatic um, aspects to it, uh, will uh, that includes myself, um, we will have difficulty with um, nutrition and absorption our whole lives. So our immune systems are compromised by that. Um, and in some cases, um, nutritional issues can um, result in, in other diseases or death. It is also quite common for people with cystic fibrosis to develop um, cystic fibrosis-related diabetes, um, and that can also be, a, be an eventual cause of death. But in general, um, it's yeah, it's just an infection so severe that the body is unable to fight it. Um, also, in, in other more rare occasions, uh, those of us who end up getting lung transplants can end up with rejection issues and rejection-related infections, and sometimes that can be a, an eventual cause of death as well. Now, you said that you weren't scared of dying, so tell me about that. Um, yeah, well, it, it's very simple, really. I'm, I, I have no fear of it. Um, I consider it... While I'm not, I don't pursue it. Um, the the idea of death to me is almost comforting. Not not an escape. Simply, it's there. I'm, I've always known it was going to come, and when it when it does, I will feel at peace. I will feel that I've achieved what I've always knew was coming. 
Um, so to me, the idea of, of passing away, yeah, there's no, there's no fear for my, for my personal self. Um, I should probably point out here that I'm, I'm non-religious. I'm, I'm very atheistic. Um, and so for me, there is, there's no either reward of heaven or fear of hell. There's no judgment. There's no pers- uh, you know, persecution or, or purgatory or anything. So for me, the passing away is, is peaceful. There's, there's no issue. The, the difficulty with passing away is, of course, the impact on others. So I'm, you know, I still have both of my parents and a very loving sister. And, you know, while I'm not a particularly social person, I have my friends and relations and, and things like that. And I know that the, when eventually I become very unwell, that will have an immense impact on those around me and those that I love. And that is something that it's very difficult to come to terms with because that is totally outside my realm of, of control. Um, and so that's, that's always a source of, of anxiety. Now, you did speak about the consequence of, of not having the luxury of time. What's the yes. consequence of not having the luxury of time for you? Um, oh, that's, it's, a, it's a difficult question because it means that I have to make... There's two aspects to it. I have to make decisions that I'm happy about all the time and try and not to ever... While I'm not be reckless, I need to not second guess the question, the, the decisions that I make, as much as possible, because I don't have the luxury of the, the ability to, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to have a do over in, in any aspect of my life. You know, the, I I chose to leave university, um, and now that I'm a bit healthier than I was, I actually look back think. I could have, I could have, you know, participated in that. I could have um, completed that and still be where I am today. But it's, but knowing that I don't have the luxury of the ability to redo that now, I need to be at peace. I need to be happy with the decision I made and rationalise it in a way that says, no, I accept what has happened and I'm happy about what has happened because it it brings me to where I am today. So yeah, and ultimately it means I'm not I'm not attached to achieving goals that most people, you know, feel that they would be failures with without achieving. I've already had to to come to terms with the not achieving certain things and and simply be happy. Well, Uther, most of us don't know when or how we're going to die, and we assume it's going to be a long way off. But unlike yes. you. You, we aren't we aren't forced to confront our own mortality, but you having to assess, as you say, all the time and every day, decisions, knowing that you've got a limited time. So, it's really insightful for us for, for us who are not in that position to hear from someone in that position. And it's been it's been truly um, enlightening talking to you. And thank you so much for talking to me. Well, thank you very much for inviting me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. You've been listening to The Final Curtain, ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. 
Podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Cafe Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death and, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Cafe Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.